In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who gives us a reason for hope. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I asked you right before we started the service, what's your morning routine like? What do you do? Is your morning routine something that's a big part of your day, or is it just something that you kind of scramble through? My morning routine starts at about 6.35 in the morning, as long as I don't hit snooze. My morning routine starts off with that little ditty from my cell phone going off at 6.35 in the morning, which I scramble to turn off so that I don't wake up Liz. Then after that, I throw on some clothes and I walk over to the gym and I catch the news while I'm on the elliptical and I catch a usually a, a podcast or something while uh, I'm there for the next half an hour at the gym. And after that, I walk back home and I get back home, make some coffee, kind of get things ready to go and start to do my devotions. And usually my devotions are, they, I actually do them through my iPod, and I listen to these people that uh, read a text to me and then ask me some questions, because as you probably figure out, I like questions. They ask me some questions and get me to reflect on what my coming day is going to be like. And then eventually I get out of my house and I show up here. We all have our morning routines, and our morning routines a lot of times have a lot to do with how we're looking at the rest of our day. Have you ever noticed that if you get up and your morning routine is more panicked than what it usually is, that the rest of your day is probably going to feel a little bit more panicked than what it would have otherwise? Or if you don't do your usual morning routine, if you have to skip that cup of coffee or skip breakfast, that the rest of your day isn't quite as good. Or maybe your routine is just to be random. And if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again too much, that you feel like you're stagnant. Our morning routine is... Something that's very personal to each and every one of us. Something that sometimes changes. Sometimes it doesn't. But whatever it is for you, those first few moments of your day, however long it takes, maybe it's just 15 minutes where you get up and you brush your teeth and you look at yourself in the mirror. Or maybe it's longer, like a half an hour, and you pull out a big breakfast and you brew enough coffee to keep you going until next Tuesday. Whatever it is, it's something that a lot of times fills you with hope. Fills you with hope for the coming day. As you sit there and you think about what that day is going to be like for you. As you hunker down and try to imagine well what's this going to be like am I going to have a good day who do I have to talk to am I really going to like talking to that person what kind of stuff do I have to do am I actually going to be able to get that done your sense of hope in that morning routine is 
an important part of your day. We're in the first Sunday of Advent, the first Sunday of the church year really. What we're in right now is sort of the morning routine of the church year. Right now in our church year, it's basically as if we just got up and started brewing a cup of coffee. And we're sitting and we're thinking and hoping about what this church year is going to bring. Last Sunday, quite a few of us filled out little pledge forms that said that we were going to try to do certain things. And maybe this Sunday, as you sit here in this morning of the church here, you're thinking about those things that you pledged to do and how they might come to be in your life. If you're going to actually succeed in those things, or if you've already set yourself up for failure, saying, there's no way I'm going to get that done, or talk to that person, or pray for that person. The first Sunday of Advent is traditionally supposed to be about hope. And our reading from Isaiah this morning is also a reading that is very much about Isaiah's hope. Now, if you've never read through the whole book of Isaiah, you probably don't know that Isaiah 64 is at the very end of the book. It's almost all the way done. And Isaiah has started off a long, long time ago, several chapters and even several years before, as he walked into the temple of our God and saw this vision and saw an angel bring a burning coal to his lips and said, Who will go? And Isaiah said, Send me. Now, 64 chapters later, well, actually, a little bit less than that, Isaiah is now at a point where his life is almost done. And he's looking, hopefully, and expectantly, at the coming future. And he says, Lord God, rend the heavens. Tear open the heavens and come. As he looks forward to the same day that we're looking forward to, that day when Jesus Christ comes back, when God comes to this earth, and this earth no longer has any sin, but only his righteousness, and only his purity. Because Isaiah, in this reading, also points out what it's like to live in a world that is a little bit hope deficient. That's the world that he's waiting waiting in. That's the world that he knows so well. As he asks God to come, he also realizes that this is a world that absolutely needs him to come. He says all of our, even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. That even the times that we try to do good, that we sometimes end up doing bad. And even the things that we actually do good, that compared to God, they're still looking bad. In fact, the word that he's using there is translated here as filthy rags, but probably should be translated as something something much more filthy. Something that you wouldn't even want to touch, maybe even look at. 
And he recognizes that in a world that is so deficient of his righteousness and his hope, that we begin to sin. If you were reading along as Adam was reading that Old Testament reading, you probably were struck by something. Something that, it doesn't seem to be right. Here in Isaiah 64, verse 5, But you were angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. Well, that seems backwards. It seems like it should be the other way around, the way that we normally think about God. We normally think that it should go, we sinned and you got angry. But instead, Isaiah says, you got angry and we sinned. And we usually think, well, we transgressed and then you hid yourself. We did some sort of sin, we transgressed, we disobeyed your holy law, and then you said, well, I'm not dealing with you, sayonara. But instead it's the other way around. Because it has to do with hope. Because if you're hoping for a holy God who is coming back to restore righteousness you'll look for that righteousness in your own life. And if you see God as just this person who only gets angry at you for your sins and never gives you any sort of grace, well then you're just going to keep on sinning because what does it matter? You're stuck in this world where your righteousness is filthy rags. Why would you try to do any better? And if you let that continue to beat you down, you'll get to a place where there's no hope. And being in a place with no hope is probably the worst place that we know as human beings. That place of desolation, that place of hopelessness is probably worse than any fear that we've ever encountered. Probably worse than any pain that we've ever encountered. That feeling of hopelessness is quite possibly the worst feeling that we could probably ever have. But Jesus steps into that hopelessness and says, I'm giving you hope. I'm trading your hopelessness for my hope. Let me take your hopelessness to the most hopeless looking place on earth. My cross, where everything looks hopeless. I mean, if you think about it, even his position on that cross being nailed to it seems like it's utterly hopeless. There's no way that he can get down. Even the Pharisees are wagging their heads and saying, there's no way he can get down. Let's see if his God will save him. And Jesus himself says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That should be your place. That should be your cry. 
But because, because He loves you so much, He took your place for you and gives you this place. This place of hope that you're in right now. This place of hope of having your sins forgiven. This place of hope of having His body and blood given to you for the forgiveness of your sins and so that you can be unified with Him and with all of His people. This place of hope that allows you to say the most audacious of things. Like Isaiah is saying, Or tear the heavens and come down. We are your people. A people who are hoping in your return. Amen.